What dog do you have? What kind I have of dog? A, a dash and nice. Yeah, he's he's awesome. And it's funny, he's been quiet all day, and then of course now he would bark. But I know his routine, he'll only do it for a few seconds more. Um yeah, I always I always start by thanking my guest, and you were quite prompt. Maybe the most punctual guest I've I've spoken to you thus far. So, I like it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. When uh, the other day, like I have a not that popular, but I I have a Discord that I used to do for the studio, and even after we closed, I keep it going. And a few of us were talking there about potential. Yes, and someone mentioned you, and immediately, uh, like, I don't know why I hadn't really thought of that before, but you're uh, a man of, of mystery, I think. I know I know a bit, or a, a fair amount of, of things you have your hand in, but hopefully we can get to the bottom a few of these and all learn as the listeners learn as well yeah i'm gonna enjoy the conversation i'm finding out more about you uh, i actually had a conversation with clint briefly this afternoon he's just back from on tour overseas and and your name came up and it's i think we've crossed must have crossed paths in some various ways but never really officially talked much so yeah, that's uh, I mean that that's nice to hear, but I th- I think you you have been at at things around here for many more years than I have. Um, yeah, well, I, yeah, I think our stories kind of intersect around the time when you start picking up, and I guess I start uh, looking to close, you know, the record store in Fouche, you know, which kind of starts continues Fouche on to another chapter, you know, um, so was, there's. Was it called Treehouse at that point? Yeah, well, okay, so um, I, I guess it depends on how far you want to go back to hear the whole story. Um, as, Fouche... as far as possible, I, I would love to, to hear it all. Okay. So um, my story begins, uh, I guess, somewhere around 1990. You know, I find my way uh, to CGSR. Um, You know, my sister's listening to this show and this music and, you know, she's really cool and she's kind of guiding me and I'm quite young. And, uh, you know, she's pushing me to listen to music and, you know, we're trying to find records and, you know, I, I guess I, I really turned to CGSR as the place that, you know, I'm, I'm finding more about music and, and it's pushing me to get more music and, and going to the record stores at that time, which I, I guess would be like, uh, you know, um, Sound Connection and Groove Asylum there's like a Sam, the record man on white Ave, and <laughs> it's, uh, in various places. And then I end up, um, 
getting on taking over a show that's still going it's called catch the beat oh um, yeah Saturdays. Yeah. yeah i think ian's doing it now mostly um but yuri and brian braun and you know the, the story of that show goes back quite far it's probably one of the longest running radio shows well in canada anyways so I do that show from, I, I think I start there around 1991, 1992. Um, and um, that kind of gets me into like interviewing DJs and, you know, buying records and playing records. And I love music and, and I love talking. So it kind of is a good way for me to like yeah, uh, figure out what's going on. And I'm pretty young at that time. Um, so that's my, that's my beginning. And then I turned that into, um, you know, finding a way to get uh, snuck into like the Bronx and Dance Factory and start playing, playing around in there. Like I, mm. I'm too young to be like Flashback and the Roost and I, I guess the Roost is in there, but yeah, like the early, early, early clubs, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Um, so there, yeah. there was a scene flourishing before you came into it? Oh, it was amazing in Edmonton. It was simply amazing. It was just like, it was ahead of its time. And there was some guys that were in town that, that just were on top of it. And they were flying back and forth from, you know, New York and bringing the music back here. And the after hours scene was amazing. And the parties were amazing. And people used to like, it would just be it's how it is when you read about it, you know, I guess in a lot of places around the world, you know, I, I think at that time Edmonton is right up with what's happening at the time that it's happening. Like there isn't a delay like there was later, later on and, and later, I guess, as the years go on. Uh, anyways, I think the stuff that was happening at flashback and dance factory and um, yeah, so I'm in there and I'm quite young, but it's like the music and dancing. Um, and I love records and spinning and playing and finding out more. And it's, it's nonstop for me at that time. And I had transitioned from hip hop. I, I was listening to mostly like either hair metal and, or hip hop in like the eighties. Um, and then I kind of got into hip house. There's like this thing, hip house. And I guess uh, the cool thing at that time is it was all new, um, you know, electronic music and, and you know, all these sort of genres that are, you know, kind of came out. And so there was just endless records to be found. And it was always like, you know, you're finding out each week that there was this new genre that got started. It was drum and bass or something like, you know, how, how did this happen? I don't, I don't know, but it was happening really quickly at that time. And at, at this time, how were you finding out about this type of stuff? Like, word of mouth or were there message boards back then no it was mostly record stores and you know there was like uh print like i i did a you know i had a printed um you know i guess zine or you know or one page that kind of was like <laughs> i kind of just clipped and photocopied stuff and you know try to get what information to and from yeah, I, you know, a big thing early in those days was like, you know, that people coming together and just talking like the, the, the community record store and the flyer table and, you know, 
you're talking to people on the phone or you're phoning a record store in another city, you know, in the middle of the nineties, like, you know, I'd be phoning satellite records and listening to songs on the phone or cool. I played a record in Toronto and you're like 45 minutes, you're on the phone just, and the guy's just listening, he's holding it to the turntable and you're just listening to songs and then they ship you records. So, but I mean, I'm sure that we missed like the most amazing experiences because we're, you know, we're here and we're, I guess we're quite far from these major cities, but also, you know, music traveled pretty quickly at that time and uh, through, through, you know, through records and through, you know, DJs playing it. And were, uh, were you like traveling as well? Were, were you here like most of the time? Just absorbing things that came into the city through other venues? Yeah, in the early 90s. So I was lucky enough that used to be able to go to the airport and get on um, like standby flights to England. You know, fly to London for like $400 if you waited around in the airport. So we kind of do like try to travel as much as possible and, you know, go over and then, you know, go over to London and go to black market records or, you know, whatever they had records in everywhere over there. And then, you know, they had uh, kiss FM and these radio stations that used to play 24 hour, you know, electronic music. So, you know, I'd travel, travel as much as I could and then bring back cassette tapes and tapes were huge back then. Like, you know, if you're a DJ, you were making mix mixed tapes and you're listening to these tapes and trying to figure out where the music was coming from. And, and then, yeah, so I would bring it back and try to make sense of it and then go on, go on, catch the beat and talk about it, try to make sense of it and then go out to the club and play it. And, and then hear, you know, hear pockets of music from, from each other, you know, groups of DJs that were playing it. And at that time, like you kind of played, you didn't really have a specific, you know, maybe if you played hip hop, you know, um, but I think you played like a lot of people played many different genres and speeds from Aphex Twin all the way up to whatever Richie Houghton or, you know, Detroit or whatever, like you, you kind of dabbled with all these different genres or, you know, I guess it was loosely rave on one side and then. Right. Yeah. And if, if you were the host of Catch the Beat at the time, did you find yourself being kind of like a magnet for info like were people going out of their way to, to tell you things about these genres because they felt you were the best person to have this knowledge well i was lucky because i got to interview and i you know i kind of also maybe snuck into some places because it was like you know i guess when you're throwing parties and and events and you're trying to get you know get the word out there you you want to you know also have the support of you know different um outlets and so i was one of those outlets that could support too and talk about it like this party's happening tonight or this club just opened you know or there's rebar and you know the stuff that's happening on white ave and there's a party party at people's pub or there's a party somewhere right were there people like touring or like coming to town to play shows that you ended up talking to as yeah. an interviewer? Yeah, at that time it was mostly, I guess, 
Western Canadian acts, Toronto and Montreal a little bit. And then, you know, and then as it got bigger through, you know, the mid nineties, then, then it started to be us and then Europe, you know, there's started to be larger acts that would come through. So, but then I transitioned out of radio at that time or at, around that time, maybe 94, 95. Um, you know, I started playing a lot and I started traveling a lot. I'm we're playing like, you know, Calgary and Saskatoon and Regina and Winnipeg, you know, maybe every weekend and Vancouver. And then, you know, things got a little bit busier for me playing and, you know, that, um, and then the, this name, this trip to me name, you know, starts taking off and I guess, I guess I'm headlining at that time. So I become, I become pretty, pretty busy and pretty into it. Um, and then I leave radio and, uh, move to Calgary, which is kind of where I cross paths with Justin and that's like 1996. And, um, and, you know, I'm throwing parties there and, um, and then that, yeah, that's where I kind of run into Justin, just Justin Fouch. Is he from there? No, no, we're both from Edmonton, but we both moved to Calgary. Uh, I see. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we just, you know, we went there for work. Like we just ended up getting jobs down there and we met, we knew each other and uh, like there was a lot of crossover within different groups, right. um, you know, club, party, rave, um, events, you know, break dancers, graffiti, you know, whatever, like, you know, there was a lot of sort of like, Hey, I know this guy from this crew and this, you know, you meet up with these guys and then, you know, and then you travel and you meet up with these guys and then you're in Saskatoon and you, you see, you know, people from another city and you're like, Hey, and then, you know, these relationships started to develop. So, but I, I guess that's the time where I kind of, I meet Justin and him and I end up um, finding a place to live together. In, in Calgary. In Calgary. Yeah. And then how long after that did Fush become a reality yeah so pretty close to then you know justin's like you know he's he's the justin of now but like you know like 30 years ago he's you know still cool (laughs) but he's like you know he's creates this clothing line and it's called foosh you know foosh nickens and um you know i love that early hip-hop that's where you know that's where my heart is in a lot of ways and and so you know he's like i'm gonna make t-shirts and and bags and you know some accessories and you know i'm gonna start this company called foosh and i was like that's awesome because can i use your gst number because i'm importing records and bringing music in from overseas that i have a really tough time you know finding and i start kind of like a i guess a distribution you know import like record import company but it's not big enough to be anything you know legal i guess or you know to be doing taxes for so yeah can i use your company name and (laughs) can i join in with you and so he would be selling to you know making and selling like at, at events and parties and um like you know having all the djs wearing the gear and um you know, doing pop-ups and we would throw parties and it would, that name would be there at that time. Um, and uh, I guess that's the kind of the, the start of where it becomes, it becomes Foosh and gets that first logo, the, the F with the three arrows. Oh yeah. 
yeah so um so yeah it happens down in calgary and it kind of happens when we're living together and uh so sorry he so he's selling to like um colorblind which was a record store here yeah this is in the building where Fouche is now the Strathcona Billiard and Bowl building many, many years ago. And uh, in Calgary would be like Ferocious and um, Supersonic Soundscapes in Regina. All these places in each city were kind of selling records and, and clothing too. So I actually, I had no idea that it was uh like its own clothing line before it was actually a brick and mortar store yeah yeah justin was making uh he was making the you know a, a lot of t-shirts but there's bags slip mats record bags you know some embroidered stuff and lots of silk you know silk screen you know playing around with yeah just different stickers you know all that kind of like all all fun yeah. But it was supporting, it was, it was supporting music and, and, you know, we threw events together, um, you know, parties and, you know, mostly stuff down in Calgary at that time. And um, yeah, it kind of stood for, uh, I guess, you know, all the different music and events that we were a part of and the DJs and, the, you know, all the things that were happening at that time. It's a, I can't believe I didn't know that. That's a, like that, the, the clothing came first. I, I feel like I should know that. Thank you for making me know that. It's a long time ago. You know, 1996 is, uh, is a minute anyways. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit. So it's kind of like, you know, it, if you if like for us at that time it was just exciting and we were really young so and there there probably was nothing like that happening at the time right like there there still isn't really but back then i assume there was minimal competition no uh actually quite the opposite i feel because at that time like you had to you know, so you wanted to express yourself and you wanted to create a name and you wanted to be a part of something um, that, you know, you were both supporting and telling the story, your, your own story. And, um, you know, and then you have these influences of things coming in. So everybody was kind of like, I guess, just kind of like this, this big melting pot. Um, but there was records, like there was lots of record stores and there was clothing stores and there was like flyers and parties and, you know, everybody was ready for Friday and Saturday. Um, you know, you play Friday in this city and then, you know, and then you would drive up and play, you know, in this other city and then you would, you know, go over and then maybe there'd be a long weekend Sunday party in this city, you know, and, and, and it, there was, there was a ton going on at that time. And as it got bigger and bigger, you know, pulled in more people. And, you know, each of those groups, like people were, you know, DJs were making mix CDs and or mixed tapes, then mix CDs. And, you know, you had to, I don't know, it was kind of that, like record stores to me, when we, and then we eventually opened a record store, a Fouche and clothing and records. But like, to me, like, there was so much going on, but you had to go, like you had to go out, you had to be a part of it. Like you couldn't, yeah. 
it's not like it is now. And there's amazing things that happen now, but at that time you had to get out. And because you did, like there was just, it was, it was, there was a lot of amazing and creative things. And it, I think a ton of it. And were you, uh, you still working like a, a nine to five or were you doing music full time? Yeah. While was, you were in Calgary. Yeah, I was, we worked until we decided, I, I remember that car ride up from Calgary to Edmonton and, and we just were like, man, do you like your job? Like, no. And do you like your job? No. Let's, you know, let's just do this. Like, let's open up a shop and just do what we're doing right now. And then we'll just be our own bosses and we'll create the atmosphere that we want, you know, and also like record shops were great, but also, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a thing that's happening too. Like you go in and you kind of, if you know the shop owner, you're getting the good tunes and there's stuff held behind the counter. And, you know, there's not always, you can't have access to the things you want. And so sometimes it's not the most positive experience. So do we just, you know, through throwing events and, and being a part of the community, we just like, let's open up a place in Edmonton that is a place that we would want to shop at. It's yeah, that, it must have been unique because like you were fusing multiple ideas together. Like the typical record store was probably 95% just records, right? You were doing clothing and accessories and the events as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all those things, but it basically, you know, it stood for community. You know, it's like, you, you know, we had, you know, we made sure that we had all the flyers for all the events and we were selling tickets and, you know, we had releases and, you know, Justin was making the clothing, you know, and this is before, like in the early days, you know, Justin's trying to get as many connections as you can for clothing, you know, both for the shop and, you know, just sort of like to influence the clothing line. And then, you know, the clothing line grows until it's doing four seasons and we're making lots of prints and, you know, we're doing hoodies and, you know, and women's clothing. There's a, you know, there's a while where we did a full line sheet for women and men, like it was a full on clothing line. Um, and the records, of course, you know, and then it was a record label. We, you know, we started a record label called Capital City Funk with a, a good friend of ours that was doing, which was running Catch the Beat at that time, Spilt Milk. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, and he, um, you know, and, and there was a couple of artists on that Capital City Funk label. And, you know, so it was clothing line, it was records and it was, you know, magazines and, and books and like kind of, kind of like, you know, the stuff that you're, you know, you're trying to do in, in, or, you know, in, in, in the shop when it was, you know, it was going, it's, it's a community place. Yeah. It stands for more than just like, Hey, I've got products to sell you. It, you know, it's bringing people to tell stories and find out what's going on and gab. And if you buy something cool and if you don't, that's fine too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. Right which I think, you know, you stand a lot for, right? You understand that side of things. I do. I also, I, I through my research, I know things were a lot more authentic and, uh, and probably cooler back in the day than they are now. So even if it's the same idea, I, uh, 
I I can just tell that if it, what you guys were cultivating was like definitely unimportant, like cool, cooler thing than what I was attempting to do recently. But anyway, no, I I, I disagree because the more that I find out about you and you know the things that you have been involved with, I mean you're you're helping people find their way and tell their story and you know it's like maybe I'm a lesser known artist now or um, you know through through Foosh or all the other projects that we have to do with but it stands to me it stands for you know bringing people together and celebrating and telling stories and giving people opportunity and having a platform and like I'm not the guy now that's standing there or be, you know, I'm not, I'm not the one that is like, look at me, you know, it's, it's, it's about that it, it exists and that there's a place to go. And, you know, the story keeps growing and, you know, I'm not going to, I hope that I'm a part of it. Right. Right. And you are like, I mean, behind the scenes, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll find out how in-depth you want to go into all your endeavors, but I think maybe you're not the face of all these things, but all the things I know that you're involved with are still very crucial parts of the city, right? So you're yeah. just kind of quietly involved in the same type of thing, just on a bigger scale. Well, at, at that, that point, I guess at that point, you know, so then I'm, what am I then? I'm 20, 25 when we open up the store, you know, so um, I'm still pretty young. Um, this is like 1999, 2000, and we opened in 99 and then 2000. And then I start writing records myself and I'm writing techno records and I'm playing, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that things are going quite well and playing you know, I'm playing in London or I'm playing in Japan and, you know, Korea or whatever, like I'm getting gigs and I'm, I'm playing out, which is great. And then the shop is doing really well, which is great. But then I also, you know, I think I'm involved with at least five, four or five nights a week locally, you know, where we're, the stores put on the night or we're supporting it or I'm playing, um, you know, and all the DJs are coming in and we're supporting them and it's growing um, and I'm, I think I'm a massive part of that, the scene at that time. And, and the store is a huge part of it, um, while also growing the clothing line, you know, both, both things happening at the same time. Um, is this, uh, when the store was above the old plush? That's right. Yeah. That's where we opened. We opened in 99 above the old plush. And then we, uh, had a chance that this space came up. And uh, we moved down, I think, in 2000 and I should know this, 2003, 2003. And, uh, and it's like, you know, things are expanding. Like we went, I think the old shop was maybe 1500 square feet. And then the new shop's like 3,700 square feet with the current, the space that it is right now. Except for, you know, it did go quite, because the records were at the very far back. Yeah. Yeah. And then we do open up, that's where Treehouse comes in. Cause in 2005, we opened up Treehouse Records. So I wanted, I wanted to take the records out of the store and put it in its own place. Right. Um, but also knowing that, you know, the, the clothing started to take over for the store. Yeah. So, and the identity of the store is changing a little bit. 
you know, it's funny because I also at the same time I start getting into like kid robot and like um, vinyl art and that medium, you know, and we're selling like those art toys, but also working with the university on doing art shows and, you know, the design um, um, group there at the university, you know, we're kind of involving artists and, and so, but then I opened up Treehouse and that's where, uh, like my manager, Neil at that time has helped, helped me open that place. Neil's, uh, I, I'm playing this Saturday at 9910 and, and Neil will be there. So Neil, Neil's there at that time. And Dane, a very young Dane, Dane McDonald. Oh, right, right, of course. Yeah, so Dane's like at that, um, he's very young at that time. So he comes on in 2005 and we have both Foosh and then Treehouse Records. And then we start this little project downstairs, which is called Kilohertz. And, right. Uh, and this yeah. was uh, across from the law courts. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 And there was a club there. It was a punk club there before. Oh, the, the Shark Tank. Shark Tank. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever go to the Shark Tank? Yeah, I did, actually. Okay. So uh, I've yeah. been to Killer and Sue Andrew. I've been there at all or all, all three of those in that space. Yeah, but I was quite young, but I do know I've been to Shark Tank. Sweet. So so Treehouse, I, I called it Treehouse because it was just like a place, you know, like a place, a community place where people could go, you know, and we had like you know the records of course but there was like some stand-up video games i think i had like 1984 and or a gauntlet i don't know we had some video games stand-up video games there and like just stuff for people to do and hang out and it was a community it was a community record store that you could go and just you know you always play the music on the, the sound system you know the records came in and when there was new all the new records came in you know you put them on the turntables and we'd all hang around and you would just listen to all of them, like, and let's like, like talk about them, you know? So it'd be like shipment day was the, always the best day. And then the box comes in you put it on the sound system and you listen to it. So 2005 to 2008 is Treehouse records. Um, but Foosh is st still also going. Um, yeah. So, and I think that is probably the height of the, the size of everything. Um, and, um, you know, Foosh is just packed and Treehouse Records is going and Kilohertz is going and parties are happening. It was a good time. That's when you opened, right? Around there, 2009? Uh, that's when I started. Like, you know, I've gone through so many iterations, but yeah, that's what that's when Norfast was founded as a company. But I mean... I guess my story is similar to Justin's in the way that we were doing the clothing for a bit before we actually did the brick and mortar. So okay. like nowhere fast, yeah, 2009 started, but I didn't move into the store until about five years later. Okay, okay. But... um if everything was, was going so well, how come Treehouse only existed for that three years in that space? 
Uh, so a couple of things happened at that time. Um, the an interesting happen thing happened with the like the cost of living and the market and it was like everything just got more and more and more expensive. You know, when yeah. Fush first opened, we had um, like uh, sewing machines in the back and we were manufacturing clothing and we were high, you know, we did carried like as many local um, clothing lines as we could. And we were really based like a lot from Edmonton, but as it got more and more expensive on White Ave, you know, we had to just, it got harder to be more, independent and it got then you kind of had to you just had to make more money to make a go of it right and and it changed things for us um and i maybe we maybe we expanded too much you know there's like there was a lululemon space beside us and we had like two stores running on on boxing day and you know it was really big around 2007 2008 but then everything just kind of crashed and then we hit this recession and financially it was really bad and you know we were like it ended up changing a lot of things we had to we closed down treehouse we just we just were like okay what what are we going to save like you know things are things are going down here right now and yeah so um so we really had to i think we re-signed our lease and it was like twice as expensive as it was when we first signed and so it was just like thousands of dollars more than it was before and it just you know and i and then we also kept looking for that you know space to do what we were doing kilohertz you know so we find the common on 124th street and then i have my first kid to my first my son at that time so i think it's just it was a lot of things that happened in like 12 months or 24 months like kind of big life-changing things which, I mean, those things can come out of nowhere and stack a few of them up and it's kind of overwhelming, recession well, that, or not. That's what happened with the common on 124th Street. So in 2009, there's this space called Vintage Lounge. You know, it's about to go under and we just kind of come in and take it over. And we open up this place called the common and it's like, a social space and DJing and music, some food. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we bumbled our way through trying to, you know, do what we've always done, which is like events and nightlife and music and DJing. So yeah. that also like, I don't, I just don't think that it was in the cards to run Treehouse as well. You know, I think we yeah. want to focus on the common and focus on Fouche and, and also Bamboo Ballroom, which is, you know, Kyla's. It's it's the three of us, you know, Kyla Kazell and Justin Durr and myself. And, you know, we we I think we were maybe doing too much with Treehouse, you know. And so we wanted to focus on on the common anyways at that time. And that the first common space was amazing. I mean, yeah, was so like, was the new one, but that one was real cool. It was super long and narrow. Yeah, there's something that, you know, with the music, the way that it, the sound travels down that long, narrow space. Yeah. And also, like, we were off the beaten path, and, and, if, and if you were like, hey, I'm going to go to the common, people would be like, what, what, 
what do you mean? Like, what is that? So we could, we, we played music really late and yeah. closed the curtains and <laughs> it was pretty fun. And how long did that one last before you moved to where you are now? Well, so Kyla was driving along 109th Street and she saw a sign in the place that was uh, Martini's and 109th Street Bistro. It was a restaurant that was there for 35 years. Yeah. And it just said for rent. And she sent me a photo. And, uh, and we were like, we got to get this place. And so we just went all in. We just wrote an offer that was like, we will take this place as is, where is, whatever you want. <laughs> and then they gave it to us. And what, what year was that? Uh, we got it in 2011. And it opened in 2012. So you were in, in the first space for three years? Like, did you Never. operate until right until you switched over or did you take a bit of a break yeah no it was like it 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 was a very uh seamless transition like it was a wild story which i won't go into but we 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 couldn't have held both leases at the same time and it, it, it ended up working out it was pretty stressful but we believed in it and you know, I don't know. I don't know if you've taken a chance on something that maybe you shouldn't have. Um, oh, every day. <laughs> we didn't have a bet. We didn't have the bright funding. <laughs> we didn't. We just knew we that's what we wanted. We knew we could make a go of it. And uh, and then so we just jumped in. And then we're like, OK, well, after we signed, we're like, OK, and we were sitting in the place. It was like, OK, so how are we going to do this now? And was there ever uh, like a buildup? Like was the common slower for a bit and then it got busy? Because to me, it just seemed to come out of nowhere and it was the spot to be and it stayed the spot to be for a decade plus. Uh, well, when we first opened, it, it, went, it opened with a bang. It was crazy. Um, and it yeah, it was like, what is, you know, hey, I'm going to go to the common, like, what are you talking about? What is that? And then like the next year it was like, oh yeah, the common, like, huh, I'll meet you there. Like, let's go. Um, so it just got super busy. You know, I, I don't want to say overnight, but like, you know, it, it came out like a shotgun, but also I think downtown at that time was making a really positive, you know, um like it was it was really growing you know like uh um you know dan costa was down there and you know like restaurants were opening up and you know it was exciting to go downtown it wasn't scary anymore to go downtown you remember yeah. when downtown was like oh man like, nobody would go down there it was nothing to there was nothing to do it was it was dead would you uh, attribute like the not instant, but like the early on success to the common? Uh, I guess what would you attribute that to? And would you say it was just from the 
like years of you and Justin building a community and then all of a sudden you had a spot for that community to hang out again. Yeah, it was, I think it was just the, the timing was right. You know, it was just that sort of 2009, 10, 11, downtown was growing and people were excited and, you know, maybe we had just come out of that weird little recession or whatever it was. And, you know, music was ex- like, music was, I remember, I just remember like, you know, the artists and the, and the DJs and the events and, and I don't know, it just seemed like, it just seemed like everything was already going that way, you know, and we were, we just also, you know, opened up and it was another place to, you know, listen to music and go out, you know, it was different than all the things around because it wasn't shaped like there was, there was kind of pockets to sit in, you know, like you could eat and then you could, you know, have a corner to chat and you could get on the dance floor and, you know, it was just kind of, I don't know. It was like, it was alive because it was always changing. Yeah. And then actually that, that brings up a question. Did you keep that vibe in mind as you were laying out the new spot or I mean, the, the second, the current spot? Because I feel one of the coolest things about the common right now is that you can go there and eat like pretty incredible food or you can like party and dance and it, it's right right there but they also don't really pull from each other. like if i want to go there and just eat again but then 15 feet away people are like dancing and celebrating birthdays and stuff it's like pretty unique yeah it definitely like that you know for us i I guess it's always like you know celebrating and telling stories and raising glasses and yeah like you know you're just like sitting there and then all of a sudden you're standing up or you're you know you're like yeah this is like let's go out and be together you know and talk about you know the good and the bad and what's going on and you know that could be dinner or that could be like you know lean up against the bar um you know and also stories of local products and you know the breweries that we're involved with and you know like it just it's just is that kind of thing where you're you could be a quiet night quiet date night or it could be like a ripper you know and and you're on the dance floor like but you know we also I, at, at, at in about 2015 we opened up 9910 which is kind of like you know we're missing that just pure club spot right so 99, like the common is great it's it we it it's so much fun and it, it it's a wonderful place and 9910 is kind of a little bit back to the kilohertz old common you know or you know what we were doing in the 90s which is just like it, the music and the performance and it's a venue and it's you know it's dancing and it's just that's what it is it's not it's not trying to do a couple of things well once again with that one i have to commend you because i constantly hear people say like oh you know it's kind of like a, a dive bar in a good way like they love like it being in the basement but then I also hear people in bands say it has like the most pristine like sound system in the city. 
So to be able to fuse, like usually you only get one or the other, right? You know, you get like a great sound system at a weird bar no one wants to hang out at, or you get a really cool divey, whatever it is that people want to hang out at, but you don't get the sound. Somehow yeah. you guys fuse the two. Oh, thanks. That 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 was a cement, empty cement space. And we uh, put, it's a floating room in there. It's all on, uh, there's a six inch uh, gap uh, from the cement walls and pillars all, everywhere. And uh, the ceilings on a resilient channel hangers. It's, it's, it's like a, a floating room. The, the floor is elevated as well. No, the floor is the floor is just uh, the the cement floor, but the um, like out from the walls and the ceiling, it's all in like the room is smaller than it would be. Yeah, know, before because it's it's a it's a, it's a room within a room, I guess. And you can't like if if you were to hear if we were to play it at full volume, you wouldn't hear it on the second floor because it's you know it's it it's separated. And then the sound system is a DB audio sound system from Germany. Like the guys had to fly here and look at the room and like, <laughs> like we had to sign this thing before they sold it to us. It was like, it was pretty intense to get the sound system in there. But what I love about it is that when you're in and when you're on the dance floor, you're <laughs> in the music. But if you step just behind the speakers, like a couple of feet, it's like, you can have a conversation. Like you're just, it's almost like a, like a wall where the music you just you're like hey man just step over here and we'll have a chat and then you can go right back onto the dance floor it's not the whole it's not the whole space is loud and what like how did you uh, god figure out that that was the way to do it like had you seen someone else do it like that previously or are you like a sound engineer no that one was all dane that was all DJ Dane. So oh, we, yeah. when we opened up uh, the common in 2009 or, and, and somewhere around 2010 or 11, we started the common started. It was a record. It, it was a record label as well. So it's called common edit. Uh, so if you look up, you know, Dane and common edit and discogs, you can see all the releases that have come out. Um, I think he did 11, 11 or 13 releases on the label um and he just you know we believed in him he was the manager of the space you know like he grew into that position from working at treehouse and the record stores and foosh and then you know as his djing career was getting bigger and bigger and the record label was getting you know bigger it was like hey like let's build this venue and he believed in it it was his it was his idea you know and so there, like that's just another example of you know, we're there at that time, but like, you, you know, we're believing in, you know, Pat's coming up through Foosh and, you know, Dane's coming up through Common and 9910. And, you know, you've got to believe in, you know, the people around you that are so creative and amazing. Right. And he's like, he's like, we got to do it this way. And I was like, okay, like, we, you know, we all just believed in him until we saw the price tag. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I love to ask, ask friends of mine that run businesses this question, but were you, and if you can speak for Justin, like, were you guys always okay with 
putting that faith in other people or did you have to learn over the years how to like delegate like that? Like for me, I I used to want to do everything myself and now I'm just trying to like rewire my brain to like, if I have a friend who can do it, like why not put that faith in them? They can do it much better than I could be trying to hoard all the responsibility so was that early on or you had to learn throughout the years? You know, Justin has always been way better at that than me. He's yeah. just like, you know, he's, he's, he's ahead of his time on that. Like both, you know, believing in people and also being like, no, I trust this guy. And also like work, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> But I would like before I had kids, I would work like I would work 11 days a week and I would just do everything and I wanted to be a part of everything. And I, I was really bad at time management and delegating. And that was that was something I had to learn because I, I just wanted to be a part of every aspect of it and be hands on and, you know, kind of, you know, be there. And but then, you know, as we got bigger and bigger, like, you know, your managers like Neil and Dane and you know, and then Pat and Mac and Foosh and, you know, the, the, the common 9910 and Grandin and Foos Repair Shop, like you got to believe in people and they're, they're so creative and they're so, um, you know, they, they spark you, right? So you got to just, you know, you got to just trust, you know, as you, as you grow, just put your trust in, in people and, and more often than not, it's just like, it's something comes up that you never would have thought of. And then you're like, man, that's awesome. Like, let's keep going. And so I'm, I'm getting better at it. Cause I, I do have three kids now and, and I'm older. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm, but it took me a long time to get to the point where, yeah, I, I was able to do that. Like you say, exactly like you, you know, this person should do that, or this person should control, you know, have control of that, or I trust you, or like, you know, it's us together side by side. And then, so now I'm just trying to keep track of it all. So the common, then 9910, then Grandin, right? Like you're in, involved with, with Grandin and then Prairie. Yeah. So in 2015, around that time, I shut down the records in Foosh. It just, we kept, oh, wait, wait. Yeah, we kept doing, we kept doing it longer than we should have. Um, but then, you know, and then I'm mostly downtown at this point and Pat's, you know, really like, you know, Foosh is this monster. Um, that's the Foosh that you know now, um, you know, and Justin, like, it's just so awesome and it's so on it and, you know, and so I'm spending more time downtown and we're growing, you know, the, the food side and our chef at that point, you know, he was ready to take on another project. And so that's when we opened up Grandin, which was his, you know, his passion project. It was like, he, he wanted to do another restaurant and that's what he wanted to do. It was part of his um, childhood, you know, the food that he loved when he was growing up. And so, you know, we did that project, but I, I'm, you know, I'm sort of facilitating things now around, I think it's 2016, we open up, Brandon, 2017. Oh, man. I, I yeah. feel I'm, I might have sidetracked you, though, because you, 
we left out the part where you closed like the the brick and mortar treehouse, the one yep, killer right. treehouse, but then you moved treehouse into Fush, back, right? back into the back of Fush, yeah. And it it was kind of like the back was sort of like um, art, music, and you know the like social space, tickets, you know whatever. So two thirds of the store is clothing. It's a clothing line. It's sneakers and it's Justin. And the, you know, the back is like, um, yeah, like vinyl toy art magazines, um, you know, a meeting place, you know, Justin at one point was like, we should do a coffee shop back there too. Like, you know, to kind of make it community. Um, but then, you know, records were dying and they had already died. We, I made a shirt that said uh, video killed the radio star, but Serato killed the record store. And it was just like a kind of like a, we can't, digital's just, you know, records are yeah. done, you know, like they're not done, done, but they are done, especially for electronic music. It's just kind of like no DJs are playing records. I'm like the only one that plays it, you know? So, um, so we closed that and then, and then, yeah, I'm downtown kind of focusing on that and opening up, you know, hel helping open up the food side more i guess more more of the downtown stuff are you a, a chef at all like were, were you making food prior to this or was this just like a business that you were interested in no it was it just grew into like being more adult and <laughs> enjoying going out different than you know just just drinking <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and we had a great chef, you know, and um, and we believed in him and he was doing he was doing really good things. He was competing and, you know, gold medal plates and writing good menus and, you know, chicken and waffles are awesome. And yeah, it was just it was good, you know, and good people. So. Yeah, and then, and so I guess that that kind of brings us up to now pretty, pretty much. Um, you know. Um, I, I guess uh, now though, like, so now, like in the last number of years, I'm, you know, working with breweries and in trying to, you know, tell people stories and hosting events and, you know, but less, less on the, less on the music side, you know, we have like some pretty amazing events and DJs and Clint, you know, he's, you know, he's running things down in 9910 and booking for up and down. And so it's, it's awesome right now. Yeah, I guess Clint would be someone else that you guys put faith in, and uh, and that paid off. He he seems quite good at at what to. he's tasked. He's yeah. great. Yeah, you should do him on uh, on an upcoming. I I asked him when I uh, when I did Nick. He said Clint, and then I asked Clint, but I think he had. He was just leaving to Europe, I think, to, to play in, in his new band. Oh, I you just told me that I'm here because Clint couldn't make it. No, no, no. <laughs> I just kidding. I didn't. Nick was <laughs> when I did uh, the beer with Town Square is when I did the episode with Nick. He, that night was amazing. That yeah, night was amazing. That that was fun. That was a good good beer too. And and Nick just told me that it was all gone. How did that whole thing come about? Because 
you know uh, Square is so much fun those guys like we uh, actually it uh clinched basically what what happened was and uh yeah i i don't really care at all about airing this out but I had originally, I think I was supposed to make a beer with Alley Cat. And, and for me, like, I'm not, I like Alley Cat. I have nothing against him, but I know that was like kind of my dream was to, to make a beer. And I really wanted to work with Alley Cat just because of like their longevity in the city and the fact that they were around making wild IPAs way before a lot of people. But I, uh, they were really, really hard to deal with. And I had a meeting with them and they didn't want to give me any creative control over the design or anything and I was trying to explain to them like I don't I don't know anything about beer like the only reason this makes sense is to have like our minimal branding on a can because beer branding I feel is insane these days so I thought like we we just have the most boring label and it actually will stand out against all these like busy labels and they the only thing that we actually saw on was that the release party would be at the common oh i'm so stoked that you that that it was i was such a fun night it was it was it was yeah. great it really was yeah. but it, it, you know like through the years i would say that that's one of the things that i love the most thinking about the the whole timeline of all the things that I've been involved with we've been involved with and you've been involved with it sounds like you know where you're just like you know if you start a band or you collab on a clothing piece of clothing you know t-shirt or you you know you write a tune or you whatever it's just like hey you want to do this like yeah I want to do this like well let's do it like you know okay well let's make it fun well then why don't I just make it like this and you know it's like that's something you know just I that, like I wanted it to have that exact feeling. Yeah, and, you want to do this? Yeah, I do. Well, Alley Cat, it was like they didn't want to do it, but so I said I would like to have the release at the comment. They were into that, so I went and uh, talked to Clint. And a few yeah. minutes into the meeting, I could tell that he he just felt a certain way, but he didn't want to say it. He, he kind of sheepishly asked, like, if I was married to the idea of Alligat. And I was like, to be honest, like, no, I'm, I'm not at all because these issues and all this stuff. And he was like, oh, we can, we can figure out how to do it with someone else and we can do it exactly how you want. He set me up with Nick. That was incredible. Then everyone, he asked, who do you want to play? I said, who? Like, there was, not that everything I do needs to be no pushback at all, but that was the the coolest collab for me. Every single thing I asked, Clinton just got it done. Right it's on. incredible. Well, that's it seems like I mean I've never been in a band, but it seems like that's how it goes. Like you want to do this, you know, you want to write a song? Like, yeah, you want to start a band? Yeah. You want to make a beer? Yeah. 
You want to like, <laughs> you want to throw a party? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's how it was so awesome. Cause it just seems like you guys said yes for like however long it took you to talk about, you know, what you were going to do. So. Yeah, it actually, it didn't take that long. I think Clint is, is super efficient. It, I think I went back and forth with Alicat for months longer than it took for him to set me up at Town Square and them to make it. I mean, Nick's amazing too, because he, uh, when I went into the meeting with him, I said, actually, it's funny. No, they did. They turned down. I wanted to do a really, really strong IPA. <laughs> and I, uh, I mean, it, it's great that he could advise me not to, but he explained like, we're not going to be able to have a party with this beer. Like people will drink half of one and like fall asleep. So we got to make like a, a drinkable lower percentage. Or it wasn't even that low. It just wasn't like the barley one that I initially proposed. And uh, I just asked if he had any ideas, like, in his notebook that would work for this. And and he already was kind of scheming on this one beer. So we just kind of co-opted that beer. They just made incredible beer. We just put a boring logo on it. And, yeah, the party, I don't know too much about nightlife, but it, it seemed good. It, it was a celebration it was it was perfect it was like that's that's how you want to do it it's about raising a glass you know and you know it was a it was a moment in time that it was a lot of fun and uh, and thank you and thank thanks for uh, just letting that happen but i think nick or clint when he was first telling me about it said you had had done the same thing done a few like private label like you had kind of designed some beers that you were putting out like as the common but um, yeah, like do. doing them with with local breweries is yeah, that so, yeah you're obviously interested in in beers and and all that side of things as well like not only the food but the drink well yeah it uh beer especially is you know i have i i i like it in so many in in a couple of different levels you know the the you know when we started doing streetcar like those cask party streetcar events right. and we did our first one with uh, blind man and when they for the year that they opened or before their first birthday and then you know that kind of turned into me like you know, getting to know more how beer was made and what was going into it and, you know, who was making it. And then as the breweries popped up more and more, you know, it was like, you know, yeah, Alley Cat and Ben Stick and, you know, whatever, um, you know, and then Town Square. And, you know, part of it was like learning more about it, um, but also, you know, involving our staff. So, you know, before the pandemic, we had quite a large amount of the staff who had been in breweries and they were making collabs with, we were making beer with them and they were opening up their spaces to us. And, but then I had staff, you know, a lot of staff who were like, you know, like I, I had a 
part in making this, you know, and we flew a bunch, you know, a couple of them out to um, Parallel 49 in Vancouver, sent them down to Grizzly Paw and Camor. Um, they went out to Edgerton, you know, and brewed with Ribstone Creek. You know, I went on that trip and it, so it was kind of like, it started out learning more and wanting to learn more about both beer and, and you know, the products that we were serving. Um, but also, you know, collaborating. I, that's the only really, that's the way that we help hope to tell stories is like collaborating and putting out something together and, and making something together and then telling the story of that. And, uh, and then that turned into, you know, working with Nick a little bit more and he's, man, he's amazing. Like just to stand back and watch what he does both with mastering and <laughs> making beer. And, you know, and I spent time working with him, um, you know, and we were on our way to maybe doing a project together and then, you know, and then the pandemic came along, um, you know, that third harmonic, the, those beers that, you know, he was making with his recipes before yeah. he started working with town square, you know, we would get like, you know, we'd go in, we'd learn about the breweries, you know, they would let him use, you know, all of their equipment. So it's pretty cool. Like he got to like go into annex and use everything, you know, and, you know, learn all of it and then right. name the beer, some fun beer. And, and then we'd have it in Sherbrooke and in, you know, tr Trevor from Plaza Bowl would pick it up and, you know, Otto, the guys, or, you know, the guys over at Fleisch, you yeah. know, you know, whatever, right. Like, you know, and so it was, it, it became a big community thing for us, both for our staff and for me and for, you know, for the restaurant and working with the breweries, it was bigger than just like, Hey, let's go in and, you know, make a collaboration. Um, in the end, it was quite a big, I, I think quite a big project, I guess, to, to do all those things. And then, you know, we, we, we would get beers like analog made a beer for the Foosh 20th year. Right. And, oh uh, they, yeah. 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 So they, they helped, you know, it was, it was a recipe that I really wanted to use, but then they were selling it at like the farmer's market. So you can go to the farmer's market and buy this Foosh beer. But we were, I was in there brewing the beer with the guys. Like it, um, it just was great on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, like our beer made its way to like Sherbrooke, Killer Divino, Highlands, all the, cool. all the nice ones. So it was, it was super interesting cool. to see our logo in places where it would have never been before. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, and I always uh, enjoy like that's another thing I'm learning to like more as I get older, like uh, a joint effort, like combining ideas for the greater good instead of just trying to like do everything myself. I feel like you bring people together in in, in from anyways from what I from how I see it from. From this side of the screen so keep keep doing that thank you um i guess that kind of brings up the question do you obviously it's strategic that you are not on any social media yeah you know it's just uh, i've never been into it and i but then I, and that like i i don't want to like I mean that in a good way. 
I'm I'm unbelievably envious. Like if I mean some good stuff comes from social media and a lot of time wasted and pointless run around. So for you to have never had it's, to be a part of that is incredible. It's all good. No, I you know, I'm not I'm you know I'm not distant from it. Like I spend a lot of time going down the rabbit hole in many different ways. You know, and one of the things that I hated about record shops that I love about music now is that like, you know, there's nothing holding you back. You can get, you know, artists, there was, there was DJs that used to be so big because they just had the biggest tunes and they only had the biggest tunes because they had access to it, you know? And, and if you wanted to collaborate with somebody, like when I was writing music with, you know, the, the techno crew over in England and London, you know, it was really hard, like working with gear and there's so many positive things that come with, you know, technology and, you know, like I'm just, I'm not on social media and in in lots of ways, I hate it. Like I hate a lot of the things that uh, about it, but I also like, you know, I'm, I, I follow what's going on and I, it inspires me and, you know, it, it, I think I just, I have good balance but I come from, you know, from my beginnings, I come from where you wonder about things. Like you don't know everything and there's anticipation and there's excitement and it's okay if you don't know. And, you know, like maybe you don't, you didn't know very much about me, you know, today and, and, and me to you, you know, like, uh, you know, and I, I kind of like, this is, I like this. Yeah, no, no, I think it it's way more, uh, there's more allure. Like when I think you're actually in the perfect position because I, I don't know much about you, but I know enough to know like you succeeded in, in many facets and are a, like integral part of the city, but you don't have to like spend your time shamelessly reminding everyone of that like on instagram and then well, but like, I'm, playing, say, I'm playing this saturday you know in 9910 and i only play records and you know i, I i'm you know and, I, and the last time we played three or four months ago it was really good and but also like you know we promoted it on social media <laughs> it would have been nobody would have showed up if i if I was stapling flyers to, you know, <laughs> to those, you know, whatever those pillars around white Ave, like, so I'm I, mean, a, I do, we do need it. <laughs> I'm waiting for like the, uh, the organic marketing like that to come back, like the, the flyering. And lately I've been telling like some of the people I bounce my ideas off actually to advertise not this single episode, but just to advertise this podcast, I really want to go and put flyers under windshields or on windshields yeah. at, the, at the mall. And no one thinks it's a good idea, but I think, I mean, That's how a would, great idea. It's a even, you know, you do enough, even if only a few people listen. So you only get a handful off Instagram every time you plug an episode anyway. So I love the idea. Let's go flyering one night. Yeah. They, I swear, like people are going to get sick of how easy it is to find stuff out. I, I hope they probably won't, but I, I feel like you were saying it's like, 
feels like you aren't allowed to not know about things these days and everything you need to know about is right there on a phone, which makes it, I feel, less cool. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's like, like, you know, I was thinking this weekend for this show coming out this weekend, there's a, there's a set, there's an artist that influenced me when I was really young. His name was Jeff Mills and he does this set called the exhibitionist where he kind of just plays on three turntables. And it's, it's quite insane, but you know, you can just look it up and watch it. And that's, I mean, you couldn't do that back then. Like somebody would say like, Hey, did you, did you hear this guy did this thing? Like he was playing on three turntables or did you hear this guy? And or did you hear this, you know, this, this group or this set or this, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, and like now it's, it's good also that it travels really fast because if you want to, you know, if you want to find out more about it, you can, you can quite quickly, like some of the people that you interviewed in some of your earlier podcasts, like I was able to find out more information about them pretty quick. And that's, that's pretty rad too. So it's a balance. If you, if you can, if you can balance, it's just, I don't know if I could actually balance if I was on there full time and <laughs> be like, you know, I'd lose the month of September to yeah. <laughs> diving deep into. Do you feel that uh, maybe Treehouse like could have survived more? Like if you fast forward to now, like with, with social media and how things are able to spread that way or are you on the flip side and you're happy you just never had to do things that way? Uh, I'm happy that we were lived in a, mostly in a time where the store, a store meant a community, you know, where people went, you went there to find out, like to, to, to meet, to discuss, to listen to music, to, to, you know, get there on shipment day, to check out the flyers, to drop off flyers, to find out like, Hey, am I doing things right? Like, oh man, my show bombed last night. Like why? Or like, man, that was crazy. I'm going to do another one. Or, hey, like you guys want to get together and throw a party? You know, and this doesn't really, maybe it, I'm sure it happens. Maybe you could tell me how, how it happens in, you know, with skateboarding or, it, you know. It, or, it doesn't really like that like how do people, you know, it, it, I, I know exactly what so I it. don't know like treehouse treehouse wouldn't exist because people wouldn't go and hang out in this maybe they would go and hang out in the spot do people do that like you know to go and find out or do they just like you know look it up and find out in one second yeah no you know like I I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day I feel now that everything is like so present on social media, people can, you know, like say Treehouse was open now, they got Instagram or whatever, people can go. And if they don't like the Instagram, then they decide right then and there, like not to go. I don't like the, the idea that I would rather people like came in and then decided right you know like it's okay if they came and they didn't like Noah fast but i would like them to come and and find out for themselves if they liked it or not instead of just like almost a preconceived like you know they can like decide they're not gonna shop somewhere just based off instagram 
So I feel Instagram makes everything a lot easier and shoppable in some regards, but in some regards it's more harmful because, you know, if people came in, went into a store, they would, they might end up loving the store, but they didn't like how the store was presented on social media. And those are two like very different things. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know, that, that the way that you digest music and the way that you make music and the way that you're a part of, you know, this community, like, um, you know, it's not how it is in the photos. Like, you know, we just want to listen to music and love it and dance or, you know, go out and socialize or make, make a beer for this one time. And it's just kind of like, or skateboard, go to the skate park and just, you know, try trick after trick after trick and maybe have a good day or a bad day like i don't know those moments like it's not how it is in the pictures like an escape video you know for every amazing trick that you saw like it'd take you a day and a half to to you yeah. know to to, to, to to ollie that gap like you know it isn't how it is in the in that clip that that's an amazing analogy actually i i don't think i've ever heard someone break it down like that that makes so much sense you know and there's where it's like you know i was listening to some of your other shows and it's like edmonton is such a great place because i think people just say yes and get together and support and then they need each other because it's not big enough you know but then it's like you know you get to do fun things and you can be creative and you know you're not you're not trying to search for who you are within this massive thing. You know, you can create, you can just create all the time. And if there's only a couple people that create with you, then that's what happens, you know, but like, you know, there is, I think it's a, I think it's a good city to be in because you can just, you know, get, get to the heart of like the creative, the creativity and, and starting something up or, you know, having fun or, play music or you know trying something out because if the the city doesn't have it unless you do it the city doesn't have it yeah oh yeah i uh i i firmly believe in that but i think that's a good thing yeah yeah you know like anyways i through all the time that we've done stuff i think it's good that if it doesn't exist and you know you you spend the time doing it and it works or it flops like it's the the process and the fun of doing it being creative now i'm gonna backtrack to something you said way at the beginning where you feel that like in the in the early 90s the city what was happening here was pretty on par with what was going on elsewhere do you you feel like we're behind now like we lost that throughout the years yeah, I think as the 90s went and got into the 2000s and things got big, like DJs became superstars. You know, there was a point where DJs were not cool. There was a point when skateboarders were not cool. Yeah. Um, you know, like, um, but then when things, you know, got pretty mainstream, you know, you things happen in major markets and then they would come here afterwards. You know, and then the DJs that were really huge or the artists that were really huge, 
you know, they would play all the big cities and then they would come here. You would, you would see them after, right? After they had played all those places, you know, then they were like, okay, then we'll play Edmonton. So, you know, I think things did, you know, there was a bit of a gap where, you know, it was, you, you knew that it was happening and it was really big. And then it came and got big in Edmonton, you know, like those artists that were doing things, you know, that was so like things happen in warehouses or, you know, parties, clubs, whatever. And, and it, things just happened so fast. And then by the time those records released and then the music made it over and then the artists caught on and then the local guys started playing it and then build up a night and then bring those artists. Like it, there was a lag. So, yeah, I think there was, there was a lag, but in the early, early days, it was, I think it was on par in the eighties. Anyways, I think it was right on the, the, the guys that were doing it here. The, the DJs that were doing it here were, man, they were world-class. I thought anyways. That's uh, that's very cool to hear that insight makes me wish I was around for that, but hearing about it from someone who was is almost as good. Well, the things that were happening with like the start, you know, when disco moves into house music and electronic music started and, you know, stuff's happening in Detroit and then things are happening with hip hop and then goes overseas, you know, to England and then comes back. And it's just like this stuff that was happening. I, I just don't know if it'll happen like that again. You know, it was pretty amazing that it was happening in, in that way. And, and it was all just new. I, anyways, I, I thought it was all new. And, you know, and then, and then, and then in the late nineties and the early two thousands, when Fush opened the record store open, it was like, DJs were like, I mean, they were on the pedestal. They were making, you know, so much money and they were massive. Like it was just like, it was very commercialized. Um, but yeah, at that time when, before all that happened, like in the eighties, like nobody's getting paid any money. It's just about dancing and going to the after hours club and whatever, like it's fun. And it, you just want to party or whatever. Sounds like you guys did a good job retaining the like fun and the overall like aura of everything. You know, a lot of people like me included, it's like when you, like admittedly i had so much more fun making over fast up 10 years ago to when i tried to like turn it into a full-time income and then your rent is decided by how well an item does but you guys you've been doing it forever like you don't sound burnt burnt out at all you're right the the most fun is in the creative part like you know like booze repair shop like you know uh, the the you know fish and chips we had to shut it down and it was a pandemic but you know it's, it's almost like you know treehouse or foosh or whatever all the things it's like it's way more fun to be like okay so we're gonna do it like this and you know let's create it like that and it'll be a new thing but you're not talking about like payroll and taxes and yeah wcb and like all the like that's the stuff that's not fun you're right that's the not fun stuff the stuff is in the early part like yeah like let's color this this color and we'll, we'll bring this thing and it'll be awesome and we'll change it like that and people will come in and they're gonna love it that's all the fun in the early part so how do we go back to that 
I, tell me I, how to I, tell me how to go back to 2009 again. You know, <laughs> if I knew, I'd be back there. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know what it is. It's just that it's the fun stuff before you know before you have to do the business. Like, oh man, right? Like, there's rent to pay, and oh yeah, right? Like, I forgot about GST, and oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. When uh. I keep waiting for you guys to buy that liquor store and then just <laughs> own the whole block. Yeah, we we're talking about doing another project because again, it's way more fun than doing the day to day. So, you know, uh, it would be it would be neat if we if we had everything in that building. But you know, we're also we're working on some some other things right now because uh, again, like it's it it's much more it's much more enjoyable just talking about like starting something new yeah well how old is foos like not even six months is it yeah that's right yeah it opened at starting of may no and i mean foos is like foos is a blessing it is amazing it's so great but also the people and the things that are happening in there like you know and winnie and Nikki, like they're and all the staff you know it's just it's really great like it's just it's like and everybody's working hard and doing you know being creative and it's you know it makes it easy and then you can start thinking about like hey like how can we make sure that we're growing so that everybody gets you know heading into the winter when we lose the patio we can you know keep everybody having the same hours that they're working and you know how can we grow how can we grow so that you know everybody gets to keep doing fun stuff you gotta yeah. make money <laughs> you gotta make money to keep people on and working. yeah you know so that you know part part of doing treehouse part of doing 9910 like when we opened up 9910 part of that was to you know put our existing staff you know allow them to grow into it and bring more people on and we have yeah. too many bartenders so like you know, and then like, and then you bring Clint on, like you just, you know, part of growing is also just making sure that you're, you know, the business is being profitable and running and making more money and, you know, and being exciting and, you know, you're investing in it and, you know, you're not letting it go be, be stale and, you know, your employees are ready to take on more challenges, you know, and then they want to, you know, they want to also be have creative control themselves and you know you, you want to put them in those positions so growing is a part of also like okay like retaining your staff and keeping having a place for them to to keep getting raises and <laughs> you know they have to make more money too and yeah of course well uh yeah thank you i, I feel i've Probably learn more on this. Oh man, I feel like we could talk forever. <laughs> Not lying. That I always end these with, uh, you know, signing off and then saying I could talk forever. But I, uh, I legitimately mean that. But I know I, I only asked for an hour-ish. I know you have kids, so I don't want to keep you longer. No, than I don't. Need Justin to. and Kyla have babies. Justin and Kyla have the little ones. My mine don't. They're not in diapers anymore. Mine, mine. So, but manageable. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. It's a pretty neat, um, pretty neat thing you got going on here. It's 
I, I learned a lot from listening to the other episodes and keep it yeah. going. Thank you. That's, uh, that's the whole point of this, right? Just kind of, I mean, I, I, I would hope no one listens to these to hear me. I'm, I'm just a vessel. Like I, I hopefully people listen to this cause they want to hear you. I, uh, I don't consider myself a journalist and I hate my own voice. So I just want to let people I look up to and respect tell their story. So it's great. Yeah. I think you've had a lot of hand in helping people out and I respect that. It's pretty, it's pretty rad. I, I hope that you tell people stories, but continue to tell a little bit more about yourself as well. Thank, thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll talk more in the future. Right on. Go uh, put some flyers under windshields <laughs> at the mall. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Have a good night. You too.